Welcome to the First in Orange podcast, the Denver Post podcast about the Denver Broncos. Uh, if you don't recognize this voice, uh, this is Matt Schubert, Deputy Sports Editor uh, at the Denver Post. I'm filling in for Kyle Newman, who's on vacation, joined by our Broncos beat writer extraordinaire, Ryan O'Hanlon. Ryan, welcome. Thanks. Uh we went to the bullpen for the holiday weekend. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm going to give up a couple of dongs here, but that's how it goes sometimes. You just have to go with what you got, uh, and, and that's me. Um, just uh, to get things going, um, uh, the First in Orange podcast is uh, sponsored by sportsbetting.com, the best price on the Broncos point spread anywhere. Uh, go to sportsbetting.com backslash post. For a new player offer for 100% risk-free week of betting up to $1,000. I'm actually going to do that this week. I'm going to try that out uh, and see how it goes. I believe it depends on what deposit you put in there. I might go all the way. Who knows? Uh, and if you want to follow sportsbetting.com on Twitter, it's at we sports betting on Twitter. That's their handle. So, Ryan, let's, let's dig right in here. You are a busy man. I don't want to waste your time. So the Broncos finally moved the football uh, in the first half this last week against the Miami Dolphins. Um, lots of run plays. Run game gets going. Both Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon got the ball. So did the Broncos finally find the offensive formula that they need for success here? Yeah, I think they did. And, and it only took until the 10th game. You know, circumstances and team performance played into that. But 459 yards was a season high, albeit 61 on that last play. But, hey, <laughs> every quarterback in the history of quarterbacking has empty yards somewhere. So Drew Locke is going to take it. Have you ever um, seen a last play like that before? I have never seen a last play. I, have, I haven't. And, you know, when they threw it up, I was like, okay, he's going to fumble it. <laughs> but at that point. but yeah. the Broncos have had trouble with their end of running out clock situations this year. Mm -hmm. But um, but the run game, you finally saw what they envisioned going into the season, which is a – rather equal division of labor between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay when it comes to running the, running it. Um, you know, 33 carries total for the Broncos last week. Uh, Lindsay 16 for 82, Gordon 15 for 84. You know, there's in, in, in usual, there's the hue and cry locally. Why can't Philip Lindsay play more? Well, right. he doesn't play on third down. And this team has a lot of third downs and they have a lot of hurry up opportunities the last couple of weeks. Um, when Philip is in there, he's getting carries. And so, but here's the big thing, as Vic Fangio pointed out, it helps not fall behind by three touchdowns. And when you are in the game, you can stick to your plan. When you're having success with the run game, you can stick with your plan. Here's the sticking with your plan stat. They had 11 bad rushes, which was a gain of one or fewer yards. And you say, well, that's a lot. Well, that's the running game in this league. It's one yard five yards, minus one yard, 20 yards. And if you stick with it, you feel it's eventually going to pop. So that that was that was the formula they wanted to have throughout the year, and it finally was on display in November. So how big was this game for Drew Locke? He was really struggling, um, and he finally looked comfortable and made some big plays on third downs. Uh, notable, the, the very first third down that he, that he uh, converted with K.J. Hamler, 
uh, sort of got things going. Uh, what do you think about that? Can he build on what he did uh, against the Dolphins? I think he can, and I think for a young quarterback, you can you you got to be able to build on anything positive because chances are they're going to be not a lot of positive opportunities. And you know, with Drew, four interceptions against Las Vegas, battling the injury. Um, you, you know, he started interception three and out. You mentioned that third long play to Hamler. As I asked Drew after the game, did that sort of get things kickstarted? And he said, did. I could allow everybody to sort of relax a little bit and say, hey, you're not on the here-we-go-again train offensively. If you're Drew, you look at the third down stuff, say, hey, you made some third third long conversions. But on the flip side is, I had him with about four bad throws. Interception, a couple overthrows. So you got to work on that deep ball accuracy again. But I think – Long story summed up, if you're Drew Locke, you take that game and say, I survived it. I helped my team win. I did not put my team in a position to lose. Check those boxes, and you can move forward with a good feeling. Yeah, well, that that interception that he threw right off the bat, it really did have the feeling of, oh, here we go again. Yeah, and, it's, and, it, and, then, and then you know Miami punches it in, and then the Broncos go three and out. Now mm-hmm. that really kicks in. And you could like you could already hear the couple thousand fans there at my high getting a little restless because hey they watched it last week too, but all it takes with with a young offense a little bit is maybe a one one play or one drive to relax a little bit and to settle in and not think about uh, the bad stuff. Right. It seems like KJ Hamler, he's he's played well the last few games and and he played well on Sunday too. Yeah, and it's one thing, I talked to Zach Kazani, the receivers coach, probably about a month ago, and I said, are you guys still trying to figure out Hamler, what he does? And he said, 100%, because he was out most of camp with the hamstring. Uh, he played a game and a half. He played about a game and a half. He got hurt again, missed time, missed practice time. So one thing Zach said is, hey, they're learning KJ as KJ's learning them. And I think you're seeing Pat Shermer with that on the jet sweep motions, on some of the yeah, dig routes over the middle of the field. And that's what sticks out about Hamler being a little guy, fearless over the middle, going to be able to take a hit, see how, how often he gets back up. But um, I think you're seeing KJ emerge. As, I don't want to say they have a number one guy right now, but you sort of got Judy, Patrick, and Hamler all dividing up some of those number one receiver targets. Yeah, so the thing that everybody's talking about right now uh, coming out of that game because the offensive line just bludgeoned people in that last game is is a left tackle. Uh, everybody's all over Garrett Bowles. He is just getting love left and right. It's bizarro world with, with uh, Garrett Bowles right now compared to how people felt about him about, uh, I don't know, 12 months ago. Um, and uh, now, now the Broncos are getting to uh, an interesting spot here where Garrett Bowles has uh, got one – He's, this is the last year of his contract, uh, and they also are paying a lot of money to a gentleman, uh, Juwan James, who is not playing. Um, so uh, just setting that up for you, what do you see out of this? Yeah. Well, I'll start on bowls. I mean, the folks at the analytics shops and stuff, they can do all the numbers they want. You know, I do my own numbers. I haven't given up a half a sack this year. He has played better. He's cut down on the penalties. He's been more consistent. He hasn't made any stupid mistakes. And more importantly, when he has made a mistake, he has not let it snowball. That said, if I'm the Broncos, I tread lightly with his future. He's playing on a, basically playing on a one-year deal after they decline his fifth-year option. 
if you're the Broncos, you have to say, okay, if you give him a four or five year deal, will the motivation and performance still be there? He, here's the other thing. He's entering his age 29 season in 2021. May him, that impact us, Mark, because guys like him usually hit it at 26. He's an older than average rookie. Then he got the Jawan James fiasco. As I talked to an executive in the league last night about this story, I said, can you keep two tackles at that money? And they went, only if you're stupid. And <laughs> so that, quote, that quote will be a period in Sunday's So the Broncos have a sort of a two-pronged tackle issue right now is what is Bulls worth going forward? And if you re-sign Garrett to a long-term deal, how can you get away from the James deal, giving up a pick to maybe trade him? So who would have thought? Well, I guess I would have raised my hand at this point saying you have a better situation at left tackle than right tackle. Honestly, I thought that going into the season because of the way Bulls played down the stretch last year. Right. And I've seen enough of James, quite frankly. So, But uh, that's so, going to be intrigue. So a question on that. Um what sort of hit are the Broncos going to have to take if they move off of James? Well, is I'll fill my I'll fill the noise while I look that up, and that's the that's the issue is with the opt out the contract tolls to the next year because I think going into the year the Broncos thought okay if this doesn't work out at least we can get out of it, but right. the thing the thing with the opt out it freezes the deal, so um, you know he signed for Miami. Uh, a year ago, was battling injuries uh, throughout. As I continue to scroll down, well, and, and I believe he's. Uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, he's played what half a game, a, a game and a half. What, what game is and it? a half? The equivalent yep. of a game and a half. So here are my here are our numbers from our friends over the cap, which I was able to confirm last night. Is if after the season, if they cut Jawan James, it's a uh, nineteen million dollars in dead money. Okay, that oh. that removes that from the scenario, especially when it's. <laughs> Especially when it's going to be a flat cap. Yeah, um, that's nineteen million for next year. Am I am I reading that? Yeah, right? yeah. And Holy cow! Let's say you designate him as a post June one cut. Um, it goes down between ten and thirteen, but also so spreads it out for four years. Here's the here's the thing I've been looking at is if if you trade him on June one, if you get it, if you convince a team to take on the contract, but you got to incentivize it for that team. It goes down to nine million dollars dead money. You create four, so it's a terrible contract. These free agent deals where they have more than two years of guaranteed money are mistakes. Uh, but the Broncos felt compelled to give uh, Juwan James this kind of deal, and now they're now they're paying the price. So if, if they trade that, uh, I would assume that means they have to throw a draft pick or two on top of that, right? Yeah, uh, and, and that's one thing I've been asking about around the league is, you know, the Brock Osweiler deal a couple years ago is the only real precedent. Houston signed him, gave up on him. They gave a second-round pick to Cleveland just to get out of that contract. That's that's the situation for the Broncos is they need that second-round pick. They still have holes to fill. So yes. to me, that's going to be a fascinating thing. You know, the Broncos go – if I had to say the most likely scenario, now, I'd say the Broncos go to Juwan James and say take a haircut. Um, you know, you're going to start a right tackle in 2021 if it's going to be at our salary, not yours. And if you're Juwan, you're looking at it saying, okay, if I don't accept this deal and get cut and re-hit the market, I'm not even going to get close to what I'll be making here. Right. So that's what you know. That's another conversation for them to have. But as we move on from 
tackles. We'll talk about sportsbetting.com. Best, best price on Broncos point spread anywhere. The Saints are a six-point road favorite at mile high on Sunday, even with Drew Brees out with broken ribs. The Saints are 8-2, and going to ride with Taysom Hill again at quarterback. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. With that six-point spread, feels a little high. feels a little high to me. It's not going to be a home field advantage because the stands are going to be empty. But I think this Bronco team showed if they can uh, – you know, get to the quarterback. They can keep it a close game. I would hit the over 43 and a half. I just feel like this is going to be a, you know, 27, 25, 24 game, something like that. So I do think he'll hit the over. Yeah. I, so I, I don't know uh, what, what the, uh, the prop bets are for this, but I'd be very curious. Taysom Hill, like what is he going to run for in this game? How, how are they going to deal with that? It, it, you know, and I, and, I, and I ripped through the first half of the Saints-Falcons game this morning, and I was expecting to see that. Right. Is Taysom Hill playing the Taysom Hill game while playing quarterback full-time. What you saw was not that. Um, a lot of Kamara, um, a lot of rollouts by Hill, some wildcat with Kamara. So I think what Sean Payton was doing is saying, hey, you're our quarterback now. You cannot be taking that punishment that you would as a gadget guy. That said, maybe you, you introduced some more of it this week, but it's, uh, I mean, the, the, the Falcons uh, rushed a lot of three-man with Hill because I think they were wary of his athleticism. Maybe he had a little spy on him. It's like that's the challenge for Vic Fangio this week is, um, do you play him as a running quarterback or do you play him as a pocket quarterback? Um, so interesting to see how he develops in that second game. Yeah, so the Broncos got their pass rush going against Tua and the Dolphins last week. Uh, not so much against Fitzmagic once he came in, uh, although they did pressure him. Um, so so is, is that something you think that they can replicate against this quarterback? I think it is. I, 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 thought, I thought this question was continuing. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You cut, no, you cut, okay. I think you cut off for a second, but maybe we cut that out. Um, you know, six sacks last week for the Broncos tied their season high from the Jet game, which they also won. I think they capitalized on Tua being a rookie. He just did, he did not look comfortable in the pocket. He did not leave the pocket at all as much as I thought he would. So he sort of he sort of invited some of that pressure. When Fitzpatrick came in the game, rushed for and play coverage. That's what that's a big did on those two drives. And um, with with Hill, I still if I'm Vic, I want to challenge the young quarterback. Saying you've been in this league a couple of years, but you haven't seen my defense. Mix up your looks. You know they blitzed the St. Basti a couple of times from the slot. Continue that just to give him something to think about. But you know Malik Reed has six and a half sacks in the last six games. He was shot out first month of the season. He was losing playing time. And then I think the big key is you got Bradley Chubb going again. We wrote about him last Saturday getting shut out the last two games. Well, he had a pressure on the first snap against Miami. So, you know, those two guys working off the edges uh, are going to be the key. And here's the other thing with, with Hill being the quarterback is if you're Fangio, do you tell your edge, do you tell your edge blitzers or rushers, rush like normal, or do you want them to keep a little bit eye on the contain? Uh, make sure Hill doesn't escape the pocket. I'm more of the mind is keep going, and uh, if he hurts you, then you adjust. Mm -hmm. So you brought up a saying, Bassie. This really intrigues me. Uh, is he he's been playing quite a bit uh, uh, at the expense of Michael Oshmudia, um, and they do 
blitz him quite a bit. Is that the reason? Is it just the tackling, the ability to do those sorts of things? Or what do you think that is? Um, I guess uh, right now it's the tackling part. I mean, Ojemudie missed uh, six tackles combined against the Chargers and Falcons. That earned him a seat on the bench. And, you know, one thing that week I asked Ronaldo Hill, the secondary coaches, what's he doing wrong? And, and Hill says, he's hitting high. He cannot hit high. I was like, okay, that's what it looks like. He says he's got, he's going for the kill shot pretty much, and he's bouncing off guys. You know, so with the with the insertion of Bassey, what has surprised me about that is that he's playing nickel. Um, they're not moving Callahan inside on those sub downs, so because they want they feel Bryce is their best guy right now. You got to keep him outside. But Bassey's a blitzer. He did that a lot when he played. Ojemudi didn't do that maybe once or twice. So I think it's more of a a trait. Uh, but uh, you know, I think, you know, the other thing is they added a little bit more dime against the Dolphins and gave Elijah Holder a shot. They've seen enough at Duke Dawson. And Holder, I think Holder blitzed at least once. So you're getting some other guys in there. So um, the Saints defense, uh, we, we already talked about the Broncos trying to get this run game going. The Saints defense is uh, really good against uh, stopping the run, second uh, in the league. And third overall uh, in fewest yards allowed per game. Uh, what do you see as the Broncos' biggest challenge here going up against this uh, this defense of the Saints? If you don't think it's defense with the Saints, but they actually have one. Yeah, I mean, their, their numbers are eye popping in terms of how good they are with Dennis Allen as their coordinator. One is you got to try and stay on schedule, and that's what they're able to do against the Dolphins. They weren't in a ton of they weren't in a, like a huge amount of second and longs. And they threw a better on first down. So, you know, if they can make those second and fours instead of second and 11s, that will help them stay on the field with their third down. And, and the, Saints are, the Saints are old school. They're going to line up four linemen. They're going to put their hand on the turf, and they're going to play the run with a 4-3 front. And when they go nickel, they're still going to have four linemen. So they're playing the run on every down. So part of me says, okay, is this going to be a Drew Locke game? Well, I don't know if they want to go that way just yet, but – could it be a short passing game where you maybe invite the screen game a little bit, which you they haven't done? You throw some tunnel screens to get away from that pass rush and basically say, hey, we're going to throw short to basket as a run. And that could be the way to get out on the perimeter and get away from that front four. The the Broncos in that last game against Dolphins, one thing, and this is uh, the, the layman speaking here, um, they did a lot of pulling with their tackles mm -hmm. and with their guards, even their center. Um, do you see them doing that against this team too? Well, I, it's going to be – I think the way Vic explained it to me, the, the way Vic explained it to us, to me I took it as going to be opponent-specific. Yeah. And what they saw from the Dolphins is their defensive ends were very undisciplined. Uh, I guess they're outside linebackers in a three-man front. They were <sighs> crashing down. And so that allowed Reisner, Bowles, Cushenberry to basically get a free run around the corner and hit those second-level blocks. Uh, and and it, if you're a Bronco fan, you, you like that Pat Shermer recognize that and say, hey, let's, let's, do some, let's do some stuff they haven't done yet. And Vic said, hey, they did have some new run plays, and that included sort of the, the, you know, the pulling. So um, I would keep it as a part of the plan if, it, if you feel like the matchup uh, dictates it. All right. Well, we're about to wrap things up here. So uh, before we go, uh, just uh, tell me, what, what do you see coming out of this game? What, what is uh, what is your uh, read on, on what we're going to see well, this weekend? 
Well, sportsbetting.com says the top three Super Bowl favorites entering Thanksgiving are Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and New Orleans. So that shows you the, 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 the quality of the opponent the Saints have, are, are coming in. I mean, they, I probably wouldn't make them the NFC favorite, but if the Packers keep losing for some reason, oh, maybe, yeah. the, maybe the Saints will maybe squirrel away with home field. Um, I think the Saints win the game. I think it's going to be close. I don't think they cover that six-point spread, but I do think they are the class of the NFC right now. And uh, the the Broncos will see them firsthand, you know, unless like they'll see Kansas City later. They've already seen Pittsburgh and Kansas City, so uh, I, I think this. I think the Saints win a close game. If you if you had to take one of those guy one of those teams, uh, the the three favorites that SportsBetting.com has for for the Super Bowl, um, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, you'll have seen all three of them by the end of this weekend. Uh, which which one is it? Still Casey? Do you still yeah. feel like? I think Kansas City because when in doubt, go with the team that has the best player. Right, right. And he's the best player. Uh, you know, they've 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 hit a couple potholes defensively, but they're still creating some turnovers. But you just watch Sunday night's game, and they, the Chiefs can basically name their touchdown if they get the right coverage or situation. So Pittsburgh, to me, it's it's admirable about your ten and zero, but. The Bronco game, they gave the Broncos every chance and earned right, to right. win that game. And the Broncos said, no, we don't want it. But <laughs> so they're winning close games. But I would definitely – the leader for me would be the Chiefs. Yeah, I the, the one thing that struck me watching that game, uh, and you, you kind of said it already, was when they got the ball at the end, when the Chiefs got the ball at the end, I had zero doubt that they were going to move the ball down the field and at least get a field goal. At least, probably at least force overtime. Yes, probably get the touchdown, but but at least get the field goal. And and I, I just wonder who has the defense that can actually keep Patrick Mahomes from doing what he wants to do. Well, in the AFC, you know maybe Pittsburgh, but they've lost Devin Bush. I mean, I'll pump it up because I'm a Brandon Staley guy because he was here last year. Right, staff. He's the defensive coordinator with the Rams. I like everything he's doing with his scheme. And I think you get in the playoffs, I think the Rams are going to have an issue. Remember, home field advantage is going to be negligible unless yeah. there's weather. Unless there's weather. So, um, but here's the thing about Kansas City. They could they could go into the playoffs as the favorite and not have a bye. <laughs> because Pittsburgh is two games clear. Yep. I think it's two games clear. One game. Uh, one. one game. One game. Because they lost. So, they only lost to the Raiders. So, so it's like Kansas City can say we went fourteen and two, yeah, and we have no a wild card game, but yeah, but so that's that also plays into the who's going to eventually make it. How valuable do you think getting that one seed is? I think it's critical. Uh, I mean, the track record of teams getting that by and making the Super Bowl over the last twenty years is pretty remarkable, and you use that two weeks to rest up both mentally and physically, especially if you're the Steelers and you lost your bye back in week four. Uh, yes. And then it also gives you home field. So you're at least around your environment. So I think, I think those, I think those top teams are going to be playing all out week 17. If they need to win to get that one seed. Is there a team in the NFC that can actually beat the Kansas city chiefs? Well, we may be seeing them Sunday. Um, because the Saints, if Breeze is healthy, they have the firepower to keep up with the Chiefs. 
Um, I mentioned the Rams. Seahawks are too bad on defense. Yeah, they just look so suspect on defense. Yeah, and uh, Packers are leaking oil. Um, maybe this, maybe they're just not that great. But yeah, and NFC East throw everybody out there. So <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a Saints Rams uh, NFC title game. I throw this at you uh, on the NFC East. I this is how I feel. Let me know how you feel. Should there be a minimum requirement of like seven wins for a team to make the playoffs after winning their division? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> where, I, where I thought you were going would be if you win your division but finish under 500, do you still get a home game? Oh, well, yeah, certainly that too. Yeah, you can um, go that way. I, I'm of the mind that this is an anomaly. Yeah. And last month I was saying, hey, one team is going to get hot in December. And get the eight and eight. Well, yeah. it's not looking good. <laughs> that said, that said is that the, if you, if you're Roger Goodell, you're not going to make a decision based on one year. But you have prioritized to teams, owners, GMs, coaches, quarterbacks win your division, right? And that guarantees a playoff spot in a home game, regardless of what your record is. So, I think I think that will that won't change, and I don't think it really should change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, hey, Brian, Ryan O'Halloran, the Broncos uh, beat reporter for the Denver Post, joining me, Matt Schubert, for uh, the First in Orange podcast presented by sportsbetting.com. Ryan, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks Uh, for pitching in. All right. Talk to you later.